For the ones who get it done, the most important part is the one you need now. And the best partner is the one who can deliver. That's why millions of maintenance and repair pros trust Granger, Because we have professional-grade supplies for every industry, even hard-to-find products. And we have same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders. But most importantly, we have an unwavering commitment to help keep you up and running. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Kotki Ride Home for Thursday, March 25th, 2021. I'm Jackson Bird. Have you ever wondered who or what comes up with the explanatory blurbs beneath trending terms on Twitter? I've got your answer. Your guide to eating and enjoying the Brood X cicadas. And a website to help you out when a word is just on the tip of your tongue. Here are some of the cool things from the news today. All right, so this is something that I have been wondering about for a while, partially because I'm curious if it's something that's actually fun to do, as I've always thought it might be, or if it's actually the worst. I'm talking about being one of the people charged with writing the descriptions about why something is trending on Twitter. Now, if you're not on Twitter, or if you left a few years ago, or just never look at the trending topics, no matter how much they're shoved in your face on the interface, basically in 2020, Twitter stopped letting the trends speak for themselves and started occasionally adding short explanatory blurbs beneath the trending term about why something was trending. Now, as Slate points out, this is especially useful when you see, for example, a town's name trending, because here in the U.S., we would usually assume that means there's been a mass shooting because our country is terrible. But sometimes it just means some popular streamer mentioned an old quote or meme referencing that town. So the short descriptions added by Twitter can calm a lot of anxiety and misinformation. Or another classic example is how frequently a celebrity you haven't heard from in a while is trending, and you worry they've either died or been found out as a serial abuser, but nope, looks like people just think they're one of the contestants on The Masked Singer. I also learned at the start of the year to never click on the names of old TV shows that were trending on Friday mornings because they always held spoilers for WandaVision. Now, as Slate puts it, quote, This seems like a fairly straightforward concept, but Twitter has grown increasingly cavernous throughout its 14 years of existence. The memes and hashtags that occupy the trending tab today are almost Euroboros-like in nature. To get the joke, you often must rely on a tight cycle of references, insider knowledge, and necrotic, extremely online brain poisoning. The What's Happening tab is less a big tent reflection of the discourse and more a distillation of the vast, unknowable variations of the human experience. It is composed of all these pocket dimensions, each equipped with their own insulated, myopic posting norms. Here's an example. Last month, the word platinum popped up on the trending feed. Why? Twitter described the origins in its caption this way. The Pokemon Company announced remakes of Pokemon Diamond and Pearl, but did not mention the fan-favorite Pokemon Platinum, a later version of the game which addressed many of the issues associated with Diamond and Pearl, like the extremely slow pace. What a densely specific explanation behind the uptick in the use of just one word. End quote. Now, as someone who was just a few years too young to join the internet culture wunderkins who launched Know Your Meme, I've always had the thought that this job of quickly getting to the bottom of why random words are trending is one that I might really enjoy, except for the fact that I'd have to work for, you know, Twitter. 
And unsurprisingly, Twitter had tried in the past to use AI to come up with the explanatory blurbs, but Joanna Geary, Twitter's senior director of curation, told Slate that it was never quite right. She said, quote, you need the nuance and context, and it needs to be coming from a person, end quote. Enter Victoria, whose last name is smartly omitted for her own protection. Quoting Slate again, Twitter announced its contextualization campaign on September 1st and tasked a slew of writers all over the world to add a little bit of supplementary text to the day's news. Geary says that the team tends to ignore the hourly headlines that are overwhelmingly obvious. There doesn't need to be a short inscription on, say, hashtag Monday motivation or something similarly self-explanatory. Users can figure that one out for themselves. But whenever something more esoteric floats to the platform's surface, be it a nuclear Marjorie Taylor Greene take or the whims of a mega YouTuber, this crack team of professional explainers gets right to work. Victoria tells me that because of this work, she's become exponentially more familiar with Twitter's gradient of fandoms. The way she puts it, her responsibility is to assimilate among those who keep pushing those strange, mangled trends to our timelines. In practice, that means Victoria had to recently embark on an all-encompassing Minecraft deep dive. The massively popular block-building game, first released in 2011, is in the midst of a minor renaissance, and the names and catchphrases of individual Minecraft streamers frequently orbit to the top of the trending apparatus. Victoria resolved to embed herself in the game's lexicon to truly know it and speak it so that she could parse its frequently appearing trending terms. There's no educational cheat sheet in a job like this. End quote. So watching countless hours of Minecraft streams, reading through the fandom wikias and tons and tons of tweets is the first half of the challenge. The second half is translating that to people who don't have the esoteric knowledge you've just crammed into your brain. Because if you're already in on it, you don't need the blurb. The blurbs are for people who have barely heard of Minecraft and need to know if they should check up on their cousin who lives in the town trending at the top of the Twitter trends. And doing that in just a sentence or two, as opposed to a 3,000-word explainer article, is a skill unto itself, and one that Victoria says has rewired her brain. She and her colleagues also have to stay impartial on trending topics, which I imagine can be tough. One useful tool they've employed more and more recently is simply saying X group of people is reacting to Y thing. For example, when there was a lot of heated and gross stuff going around about Lola Bunny after the new LeBron James Space Jam movie posted some first looks, the Twitter blurb simply said, People are reacting to Lola Bunny's new design which Slate calls the understatement of this young year. Now, as for how Victoria and her colleagues stay mentally well when their job requires them to be mired in the deep inner sanctums of occasionally stomach-churning content and a swirling paradox of hot takes, when they, as Slate says, quote, bravely serve as the interconnective tissue between every microscopic faction of the terminally logged on, end quote. Well, the article actually doesn't get too into that, and I would love to learn more about it myself, but one thing that it does point out is that one of the worst parts of Twitter is how siloed people can be on it, thinking not just that everyone on Twitter is following the same inane controversy they are, but that everyone in the world is aware of it, when that could not be further from the truth. And Slate points out, when your job is to penetrate those silos and view everything both from high above and deep within the weeds of so many different terrains, you can be reminded of the vast, diverse world that exists there. 
While the sacrifice is having to see some unsavory content, the benefit is being reminded that no one of those unsavory posts is dominant, no matter how much the people flocking around it and making it trend may think it is. The utter randomness of some trending terms should be a regular reminder of just how many different ways so many different types of people really are using Twitter, not just the blue checkmark media elite and not banned yet Magarati. And that's refreshing, I think. You know, while you may not want Victoria's job, you can at least get a peek at that by switching from the trending tabs customized for you that's usually automatically shown to the actual non-targeted trending list. Oftentimes it makes no sense on first glance, but once Victoria and her colleagues get their hands on it, you can usually discover some slice of the world you were previously completely unaware of. And I, at least, find it's a nice break from the algorithmically designed echo chamber I usually live in. When I covered the re-emergence after 17 years of the Brood X cicadas on the March 15th episode of this show, there was one line that stood out to me in one of the articles I read, but I didn't bring it up because I wasn't sure what to do with it. It was about Mike Ropp, an entomologist at the University of Maryland, who told the Washington Post that he was going to eat some cicadas this year, boiled and fried on a skewer, he said. And that wasn't Rop's first rodeo. He famously fed a cicada to Jay Leno back in 2013 on The Tonight Show. It isn't just a weird quirk of Rop's, either. Eating cicadas is apparently the thing to do this year. Tons of articles are offering up how-to guides and recipe suggestions for eating the loud, screeching insects that will be infesting communities across the northeastern U.S. in just a few weeks. Food and Wine notes that a lot of people like to fry them first and either dip them in a sauce or sprinkle them with a favorite seasoning blend like Old Bay or Lowry's. Others might toss them in a salad. Quoting Food and Wine, In 2016, the Rising Creek Bakery in Mount Morris, Pennsylvania, topped chocolate chip cookies and butterscotch ice cream cones with a single brewed five cicada and also served an omelet filled with avocado, roasted veggies, and teriyaki cicadas. End quote. Now, lest you think this whole eating cicadas thing is a new trend, quoting again, in The Periodical Cicada, written in 1898, author Charles Lester Marlott recounts the story of a cicada stew. The cicadas were collected just as they emerged from pupae and were thrown in cold water, which they remained overnight, he wrote. They were cooked the next morning and served at breakfast time. The most palatable method of cooking is to fry in batter when they remind one of shrimps. End quote. A lot of people say they taste like shrimps, actually, which, given this week's shrimp-related news, might be enough to turn some people off. But if you want to give it a go, here are some tips from entomologists. Look for freshly hatched cicadas. So shortly after they emerge and start molting, often in the morning, and they'll usually be fairly green. Avoid getting them from places that have been sprayed with pesticides or other toxic chemicals. Boil them first, both for flavor and to kill off any potential fungus or bacteria. Remove their wings and legs before you eat them. And if you have shellfish allergies, sorry, but you should probably sit this one out. Or at least talk to your doctor first. And if cicadas turn out to be a gateway delicacy for you, Food & Wine has you covered with a wine pairing list so you'll know just which type of wine to drink if you're dining on grasshoppers, mealworms, crickets, or more. And good old Mike Ropp has some words of wisdom for anyone who might be hesitant to chow down on some cicadas. Quote, 
Have you ever eaten an oyster or a clam out of the bay? It lives on the bottom of the bay and filters you-know-what, feces. You'd eat this thing, but would not eat this delectable insect that's been sucking on plant fat for 17 years? I think it's weird. End quote. Also, his former students put together a cookbook of cicada recipes, which includes dumplings, tacos, pizza, cookies, and the pandemic favorite, banana bread. You know, the one time I've eaten insects, except perhaps as a small child after seeing that one Timon and Pumbaa scene in The Lion King, and then being severely disappointed, was when there was a truck in Union Square that was giving out free insect-topped food. And if you ate it, you got a heavily discounted subscription to The Economist. So, of course, I ate that cricket-topped waffle with gusto. But hey, maybe I will have to try some cicada cookies this year. You know that feeling when you can't, for the life of you, remember the word you're looking for? You know, whether you're writing and trying to find the exact right adjective, or maybe your brain has simply blipped and forgotten the word for a very basic object, like a pencil. Well, I recently discovered a site that can help with that. It's called One Look, and among their many different features, they allow you to type in any kind of phrase or collection of words you want, and it will generate suggestions for what you might mean. Now, the results aren't perfect, sometimes you're just too far removed from the actual word to get close, and it also returns a full 100 results for you to search through. I've found the correct word is usually around the fifth result, and then after that, especially once you get to 30 or so, the words are almost completely unrelated. For example, I searched, when your cheeks turn red, and got the results blush, flushed, rouge, ruddy, redden, and several other related words, but towards the end of the list, there was also New Zealand wineberry, mountain box, tour, and josh. Just Josh. You can also filter results by parts of speech, so just nouns or just adverbs, etc. But to really put it to the test of being helpful when you forget a particular word, I looked up people on Twitter who say they forgot the word for various things. So for example, someone forgot the word for fork and instead used eating stick. If they had gone to one look and searched eating stick, fork would have shown up as the fifth suggestion. Then there was someone who forgot the word for syrup and called it maple pudding. Syrup came up as number seven when searching for maple pudding. Not bad. And I was actually pretty surprised that searching someone's invention of ATM for sweets did correctly come back with vending machine, albeit at result number 26. So try to remember it next time you're having one of those brain blip moments, but I think it is really useful as a writing tool. You know, sometimes you're writing about something generally or repetitively, and you need to vary your word choice around a certain topic. You can use this reverse dictionary and get a whole host of related words to pick from. Or, as part of One Look's normal dictionary feature, they also give you the ability to search for words related to another word, or related to the concept of something, like snow or green fruits, or which start with the same syllable, like words that start with blue. And if you've really got something just on the tip of your tongue, you can even search for words that start with certain letters and are related to certain concepts, or words that contain certain letters in certain orders, something that might be helpful for cheating on crossword puzzles. 
The site can also answer simple questions, not directly, but again, by generating related word suggestions. But, you know, if technically you know the answer and just forgot the right word, you'd easily be able to recognize the correct one on the list. It's seriously a bit of a powerhouse of a tool for finding the words or phrases that you want, and I am so glad that I stumbled on it. So just wait for my word variety to increase exponentially in upcoming episodes. That's all I got for you today. As always, the show was produced by Ride Home Media and Kotke.org. I am Jackson Bird, and I will talk to you again tomorrow. For the ones who get it done, the most important part is the one you need now. And the best partner is the one who can deliver. That's why millions of maintenance and repair pros trust Granger, Because we have professional-grade supplies for every industry, even hard-to-find products. And we have same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders. But most importantly, we have an unwavering commitment to help keep you up and running. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.